Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. Inside Out. Jesus brings up this whole topic of it's not what goes into a person that makes him or her unclean or defiled, but what comes out. And this is a topic that is very fitting for our current situation, um, having to do church in your pajamas this morning or, you know, whatever you may be wearing. Um, and I'm coming to you from my kitchen and all the different things that um, go into that, where we can't gather together in person, but we're gathering together through this venue that the Lord has made available to us. And in that moment, the question becomes, well, what really is important? And isn't it interesting that today's reading, chosen many, many weeks ago, many months ago, long before we knew of anything called a coronavirus, um, that today's, today's scripture readings would be about what's going on on the inside, not what's going on on the outside. And so we're here. We're going to dive into this, and we, we ask the Lord to bless us for this. So let's take this moment. If you wouldn't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes, I know it's weird because you're like in your living room or kitchen and I'm in my kitchen and wherever we're all at, it's strange. You know, how do we pray? And and, and the thing about it is, is what we want to pray for is in particular that we wouldn't be distracted. You know, we're not in our normal rhythm for worshiping, for receiving God's word. And so we want to ask the Lord to bless us uh, in a special way that we would be in our, in all of our unique scenarios together with him and with one another by his Spirit. Please pray with me. Father, we ask you to indeed do this. Um, Set us free from our distractions. Set us free from our situation of this unique circumstance that causes us to think and do and behave differently. But let us rally around your word this morning. And I pray that you would bless us for this purpose so that each one of us that may hear these words, um, regardless of what room we might be in or any of those kinds of things would hear you, would hear when Jesus say, "Hey," when Jesus says, hear me and understand. I pray that you would help us indeed listen and that you would help us indeed understand so that we would grow in faith, that we would be given the power to encourage um, one another so that we would then take what we've been given and share it. We pray for your grace, for your mercy, and for your perfect peace, which passes all understanding and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, in whose mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Inside out. So this is interesting because Jesus is calling into question our most cherished traditions. Isn't that interesting on a day when we don't get to share our most cherished traditions? We are um, not able to take the Lord's Supper this morning. And um, I've seen and heard lots of different suggestions. We could have a parking lot where people come, drive their cars in the parking lot, and then somehow we distribute the Lord's Supper in a sanitary way that way. And I'm certain that there are churches around even our own area trying to do that this morning. Um, I've heard others where what, what we do is we, we consecrate the elements by way of the internet. And, um, you know, it's 
that's pretty interesting, and that's kind of strange. It also kind of makes me feel a little weird. <laughs> but at the same time, God's Word can go anywhere and do anything, and it's not limited by the boundaries that we would set. Um, he is God. Um, and someone asked me, um, hey, when are we going to get the recipe so we can make the, the communion bread at our house and do it ourselves? And now, now we're starting to get a little closer. Um, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, where it says that they did exactly that in their homes. And so stay tuned for some updates on that coming soon. We also want to operate in love because um, as we're gathered at home right now, we're doing that out of love for our neighbor, for one another, to prevent the spread of the COVID-19 um, pandemic. But at the same time, we don't want to hurt other people's hearts when it comes to traditions. Because some people are like, you can't do the Lord's Supper that way. And that's that's kind of at the heart of the matter today is, and by the way, heart is pun intended. Um, the heart of the matter today is, well, what is kosher? Again, another intended pun. What is appropriate? What is good, right, and salutary? How do we navigate that? Especially when we have Jesus saying um, in our readings this morning from Mark chapter 7 that it's all just tradition and, and you guys are not doing it right, talking to the Pharisees. And I remember as a kid thinking, well, in that case, then I'm going to get rid of all traditions. <laughs> you know, we'll just make new ones and all those kinds of things. And, you know, let's take a look. Let's zoom in on these and um, see how this works for you and for me. And spoiler alert, I think you're going to really love it because this is one of those situations where if we listen to what Jesus is saying to us, he is here to set us free. These scripture readings beginning in verse 6, Mark chapter 7, verse 6. Um, there's this first issue that pops up. He, he said to them, he's talking to them, um, quoting Isaiah from, from um, chapter 29. And he says, and he said to them, I should say, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? And I said that wrong. Well, did. In other words, Isaiah did a good job prophesying of you hypocrites, as it was written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And there's a couple of different ways you can go with this scripture, because you're, you're, you've got the word hypocrite on the screen, and you know, uh, you know, on the tip of our tongues, and and um, a lot of people just think that's what church is, and and that it's just where all the hypocrites go on a Sunday morning, and of course, I always love Rich Mullins' joke, well, you know, where do all the perfect people go? Do they go out jogging? You know, they go to the store. <laughs> what do they do? Um, and see, that lie, therein lies the question, what in the world is a hypocrite? And traditionally, the way I grew up, you may have grown up with a different definition, but the way I grew up with a definition of hypocrite is when you'd go out and party on Saturday night and then come to church anyway on Sunday morning. And then that was that would made you a hypocrite. Where, meanwhile, here we have Jesus saying that the definition of a hypocrite is that someone who honors him with his or her lips, but then keeps their heart far from me. Now, I can see a scenario where if you're going out partying on Saturday night because you think, you know, just do whatever you want, um, and then and then you go to church on Sunday morning and you're only going to try to get in good with God or get in good with some people that expect to see you there. I mean, yeah, you could say that. But take a look at this comparison, and let's, let's, let's just kind of break this down a little bit. See, the Bible's definition of hypocrisy is this whole business of going through the motions, right? 
honoring God with your lips, with your your church attendance, with your whatever you think is the righteous or quote unquote holy thing to do, um, but not actually not actually having it be real in your heart. Meanwhile, um, look at religious hypocrisy. This is what we mentioned earlier. People behaving like sinners, whatever that means. We put that in quotes because that's just term a terminology that is used by people. But then going ahead and coming to church. So it, it some people will just think it's it's this business of pretending to be righteous, but then thinking you can come to church anyway. When really I would agree the issue here that we're seeing from Jesus is what's going on in the heart, right? And I want you to ask, I want to ask you that. What's going on in your heart? What's what's going on in Mark's heart? Um, you know, what's going on in my my heart is all kinds of things, right? So on one hand, um, you, you have this strange thing of where I, I I don't know if you guys saw the fun pictures that were going around the internet. There were several different churches of many denominations that did something like this. Where I saw one Roman Catholic priest, he took he had he had big people in his congregation email him in pictures of themselves, and he printed those out and he put them in the pew, and then he was preaching to their pictures, which I think that's great. I mean that's kind of a cool thing. Um, one, um, I think he was a non-denominational pastor. He took pictures of like superheroes and Bible characters and different things and put them, scattered them around. Um, and so that way he could preach, um, to those characters. And that's also pretty interesting. Um, I'm staring into the lens of a camera, but I want you to know, I'm asking you and I'm asking myself to ponder what's in our heart. I think we can do that. I think we can do that. I think we can ponder what's in our hearts because if being a hypocrite is, as the world would describe, or as religious people might describe, behaving like a sinner and then coming to church, then I would have to certainly put myself in that category. And then I would, you know, just as a fair theologian reading the Bible and looking across the world, think that everyone would fit in that category, and therefore all of us would be hypocrites. But see, Jesus wasn't doing that. I mean, there's times and places in the Word of God when we all fall short of His glory. Romans chapter 3 pops in my head the whole chapter. Of course, I always love to remind people all fall short of His glory and are freely justified by His grace. But the thing is, is it's not about measuring sin. See, that's the thing, that's the thing with hypocrisy, is it's not about measuring sin. It's about looking in the heart. And God... And him come as a man, a preacher man. His name is Jesus. Um, true God and true man is the only one who can do that. Of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit, his spirit. And so that leaves us in this conundrum. You know, do we do? are we the people who honor God with their lips but not with their hearts? Then that should be a call to repentance. But if our challenge is our behavior doesn't always match our faith, well, then that's called being a human. And we're going to see exactly how this plays out and, and what we're being called to do. But this business of tradition and, and all of that is part of this. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus continues that quote from Isaiah 29. He says, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God, talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and you hold to the tradition of men. Now, I want you just to think of a tradition. There's so many. There's so many traditions you could think of. Um, 
And our church is a little bit of a goofy church because we don't follow a lot of the traditions that have been handed down to us in our faith tradition. Um, however, we I would argue that we actually do. We just have translated those into a way that everyone can understand, um, which is why we love to say that we are Christ-centered at praise and worship. So you notice anytime you see our, our logo, it has praise and worship, has the cross with the four colors. Um, we're going to talk a lot about those over the next few weeks. Um, has those four colors, but then underneath it says we are a Christ-centered disciple-making community. So that is to say, we will certainly look at traditions. We'll see more about that in a few minutes. But we are we are not going to um, ignore Jesus. He is our center, and this is what's going on in this scripture here. Is that sometimes we we get our center on the wrong things. You know, we don't keep the main thing, the main thing. And um, let me just be very clear about this. Um, there was this little thing called a reformation that happened 501 or two, three years ago now, 503 years ago it started. Um, and what happened in the reformation was there were people saying that you had to do the things in order to be saved. Now, the sad part is, is that well, let me finish the Reformation. And the Reformation was a bunch of people saying, um, no, we just need Jesus, right? Sola Christus, they would have said in Latin, which means Christ alone, right? Um, grace alone, faith alone. You know, these are the kinds of things they were, these were sort of their rallying cries for that time period. Um, we don't need to do the things. Like the Pharisees here were saying, why are your disciples not doing the things with their hands? They're supposed to wash their hands. They got to wash the dishes. They got to wash the cups. Of course, washing the dishes is a good tradition, but this is what they were talking about. They were saying you have to do it a certain way or you can't be clean. You can't be righteous. You can't enter into whatever event, whatever faith-based moment you're seeking. You can't do it unless you do the things right. And and in our time, I think Christians are constantly struggling with this. Um, you may have grown up in a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Lutheran church, a, a non-denominational church or whatever, but they all still have traditions. And even at praise and worship, I know that we have built traditions, even unintentionally. And so you're, you're sitting there going, well, wait a minute, have we made any of those like requirement? And I always love to say, no, I hope not, right? Don't allow them to be. We are Christ-centered. We're centered on the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He is the one who came from heaven, who brought heaven to you and to me to save us, period right? That's it. And so everything we do comes out of that and stems from that, is rooted in that, is rooted in him, comes out of him. Maybe a little vine and branches um, picture is coming into your mind, John 15, right? He is the vine, we are the branches. We must be centered upon him. And so no tradition, no practice of any kind is, is that which we have to do in order to get to Jesus. And that that challenge, that conundrum has been present certainly since the time of Jesus, certainly since the time Adam and Eve ate from the tree of I know everything. We, you know, it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3, but that tree of I know everything is that I know what we have to do. We have to do this, right? This is what we have to do. And whatever this is, if it's not Jesus and him crucified, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if it's not Christ and him crucified, then 
You know, and, and in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And what he means by that is we want to tell the story of Jesus. We want to tell the story of Jesus for you. Not that just some random guy died on a cross 2,000 years ago, but that God Almighty came as a preacher man to save you and me. And we never want to let the commandments of men or the traditions of men get in the way of that. Take a look at verses 10 and through 13. And I've kind of put some, some ellipses in there, some dots there to, to just summarize that because this is a strange passage. Look what he says. Let's read this, this sort of version here. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, but you, and just Jesus talking to the teachers, but you say that if a person gives support to their elderly parents, I'm summarizing there what that means. That is Corbin, which was a, a term that meant giving a special offering. Okay. So in other words, the teachers were telling them that if you'll give a special offering, um, you can do that for your parents. But then look what he says. Um, but then you don't actually let them help their parents. You, you don't let them help, let him, that is the person, help his parents. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. And then he's like, you do many things like that. See, it's a strange example because we don't see that in our context. We don't have a tradition of taking aside special offerings and then reserving them for our elderly parents. Because, well, maybe we do, but we wouldn't call it Corbin. We would call it, you know, taking care of your parents or um, helping them with their retirement account or whatever these kinds of things might be in your family. But, but the church in particular tends not to command that or have a strong tradition of that, although pretty good one to maybe pick back up. But Jesus isn't worried, worried about how the nuts and bolts of it are working. He's like, you sit here and give them the commandment, honor your father and your mother, and you tell them, go ahead and do the special offering for your father and mother, but then you tell them, don't actually give the offering to them. You need to give the offering to us. And see, now we understand where this is going. This is what happens with traditions, with commandments with man-made rules. This is what happened in the Reformation because a fella came to town saying, I'll tell you what, you put a money in the coffer and then we get the people out of purgatory, it's going to work out great. You know, and, and Martin Luther, my Uncle Marty, he was like, um, what? And then the, the problem with Uncle Marty is he thought, well, if the Pope only knew that, <laughs> little did he know that the Pope had sent him. And so that's ancient history, literally. But um, that was the whole point. The tradition the practice had gotten detached from God, and more precisely, from the Messiah, from Jesus. And so that's what we have to keep our eye on as we go forward. Look at this, how this unfolds in verses 14 and 15. Um, and I, you know, this is why we're disciple-making, and this is why we're focused on inside out. So Jesus said, you all hear me and understand. Now, what he's doing, this is this is the Mark's literal version. I'm, I'm translating this myself. He's saying, you need to hear me, you all, everybody. And I probably should have done the, tr the Texas translation. Y'all need to hear me. You need to listen, right? That's what's going on. And you need to understand. Now, what he was about to say, guys, to you and to me, maybe doesn't hit as such a radical statement, but you have to understand, Jesus was dropping a nuclear bomb in their whole belief system. I mean, this is what he's doing. Nothing outside a person can defile him by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles him. And of course, Mark, 
the gospel writer here will add in that this is this is what he meant when he this is what he was talking about when he said all foods are clean. Now they had all grown up. You can't eat pork. You can't eat certain kinds of animals. You can't touch certain things. You can't. I mean, they had all these regulations, and you'll find them in the book of Leviticus. And here Jesus has come as a preacher man. As we said in the Gospel of Mark, he's going to confront all of our assumptions, our religious, meaning man-made traditions and rules and regulations. He's going to confront all of them, and he's just going to blow them up. And that's what he's doing right here. He says to them, it's not about what you eat. It's not about anything that goes into your, into your body. It's about what comes out. And so... On many levels, things are going down, right? The, the people are upset. They're sitting there going, well, um, you know, we've, we've had this tradition our whole lives. Remember Acts chapter, what was it? Acts chapter 10 through 13, this whole discussion of Peter going to Cornelius' house and he gets a vision from God and God says, I want you to go and I want you to kill all these different animals and I want you to eat them. And they were all the unclean animals, the, the ones that they shouldn't mess with in the book of Leviticus. And Peter's like, surely not, Lord, I'll never do that. And the Lord's like, oh, yes, you will, because nothing I have made is actually unclean. And then, you know, so it just causes everybody to go, well, wait, is God changing his mind? And the answer, of course, is no. But what he's doing is he's fulfilling everything that was going on in Leviticus in and through Jesus. And there's much, much more we could say on that, and we will at another time. But today I want us to zoom in on the fact that what Jesus is saying here. You all hear me, listen to me, he says, and understand nothing outside a person can defile him by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles him. I've had some Christians come up to me and say, you know, I understand that we don't need to follow the food laws of Leviticus. I don't know that they know why, but they always think, well, I've heard somewhere that we don't need to. Um, but maybe we should anyway. Maybe that's like a good nutritional diet or something like that. And I I mean, I'm the first to say that if you eat too much bacon, that might raise your cholesterol. I think we've found that to be true. But I, if, whatever you do, do it for the Lord, right? This is, this is where this comes down. And so diets are great. However you want to do that, that's between you and your nutritionist, your doctor, however you want to shake that out. But when it comes to what we need to do for Jesus, let's see how this actually plays. Because um, so often we will think we have to do the things, whatever those things are, whether it's kosher laws, as we would see here um, being referred to in the Old Testament, or whether it's... Um, a specific way that a pastor should dress. And again, nothing wrong with those who dress a particular way. But at the same time, we don't want to make that the thing, right? And so there's 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 um, certain worship services that have certain kinds of music. We don't want to make those the thing. All of them are good and fine, as long as they're not the thing. Because it's not what comes to a person or, or what comes into a person in terms of eating, just the same way it's not any of the kinds of things that we would do in terms of a tradition that make a person defiled. Take a look at Galatians 5 verse 16, because we need to know what's actually, what's the fulfillment of what Jesus is talking about here. And here we're going to bring in the Apostle Paul from Galatians 5. But I say, peripateo by the Spirit. And you will certainly not carry out the cravings of the flesh. Now, once again, this is Mark's literal version. And you're thinking, what is this peripateo business? And I, I bring that word out because 
Um, most English translations put the word live there. So they think live by the Spirit. And immediately our human minds will start to say, okay, how do I, how do I live by the Spirit? How do I, what do I need to do? See, that, that's immediately where our mind goes. We think of tasks, we think of traditions, we think of specific things. And what I want you to know is peripateo means everything. Okay, so it means, ironically, when you're in your kitchen or you're in your living room or you're in your pajamas sitting on the porch or you're wherever. Peripateo. Para means around and pateo means whatever's going on around. It's a, a literal translation would be to walk about. Like it's just it's this idea of going everywhere you do, whatever you do, whenever you do it. And so it's this everything. I say, he's like, I say do everything by the spirit. Now, this is what's on the inside, but look at this other word he brings up. He goes, because, and you will certainly not carry out the cravings of the flesh. Now, this definitely gets involved with the food laws we mentioned that Jesus is bringing up here, but, but it also helps us see everything, see the whole enchilada. Well, now we're talking about food, we're in trouble. But the, you, the, what's going on here is you, he says that if you peripateo by the Spirit, if you do everything, if you live your life, if you think about every little part of your life, no church hats on Sundays and you know, what other other kind of hat on the other days? No, just just one hat, Jesus hat, right? He's with you every moment of every day. Every breath you take, Acts 17, is a gift from him. So, took another breath. There it is. Whether I'm sitting here talking to you or later on we're going to be doing something different or the next day we're doing this thing or that thing, everything by the Spirit. And you're like, well, Mark, I don't really know how to do that. Oh, good. I'm glad you brought that up. So, we're going to talk about this. But look at this. If you do this... It will, you will certainly not carry out the cravings of the flesh. Now, see, this is interesting. So we have spirit on one hand, and notice the spirit is capitalized, the Holy Spirit. But what's interesting is we also have the flesh. Now, in some translations, they'll call this the sinful nature because they're highlighting the part of us that still is, is diseased with sin, conditioned, uh, not conditioned, that's not the right word, but just kind of, we have the condition, I think is what I was trying to spit out, of sin. And this this business of having sin in our bodies and also having the living Spirit of God in our bodies, well, how does that work? Take a look at verse 17. For the flesh desires, lusts, covets, the Greek word there means all three of them, and I want us to keep all three, desires, lusts, covets, okay, against the Spirit, and the Spirit is against the flesh. Now, we've got against the flesh there in that green. That's gospel green. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But look, at it. they stand opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want to do. It kind of sounds like Romans chapter 7. If you haven't read that recently, that'd be part of your dig deepers today. Um, what in the world, right? See, look at this. The flesh has all these desires that are against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. So he's actually painting this picture that makes us feel like, well, what's the deal, Apostle Paul? Are we like, um, you, know, you know, we have multiple personality disorder here? What's going on? And the answer is no. No, we don't. But what we do have is we have a single personality, that's you, the one who is made new in Christ, the one who hears the word of God, and it goes into your heart, and you believe the good news. And then there's the part of you that still struggles. There's the part of you that says, no, I don't want to do that today. And, you know, it's the part of you that's going to be resisting all of the good in your life. 
It's the part of you that's going to want to get out of responsibility. It's the part of you that's going to want what your neighbor has. It's the part of you that's going to say, you know, online church is stupid. We didn't, why are we even wasting our time? You know, all these kinds of things. This is this is this, this is what we call sin, right? It's the flesh, which is is inhabited by it's it's diseased by sin. In Romans chapter seven verse twenty, Paul says that sin is something that lives in us. But may I just say to you, it is not us. See, this is the key. There is a conflict inside of us. There is the true us, and then there is the us that is being pulled down. But I would argue that's not even the us. That's just what we feel. It's the, it's the condition that we have. Just like with those who have um, come down with the coronavirus. You know, you're like, what are the symptoms? Well, you know, shortness of breath, tightness, you know, sore throat, some of these, you know, fever, you know, all these kinds of things. You start def- defining the symptoms. Well, we saw. Jesus in our gospel reading today and Paul in our epistle reading today talk about those symptoms and talking about all the terrible things that come out of a person. Take a look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. What should come out? The fruit of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul says, carried by the Holy Spirit, is, you know them, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And look at what he says, against such things there is no law. And I want you just to think about those for for one moment because um, the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit of Mark or the fruit of you. It is the fruit of the Spirit. So take a look at our last scripture. Galatians chapter 5, I mean to say Galatians 5 verses 24 to 25 Again, Mark's literal version. Look at these words. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires because we live. Now, that's not peripateo. That's not walkabout. That's not all the things that we do. This is having been given life and continuing to live it. This is zaeo, or zao, I mean to say, by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Let us also stoikeo by the spirit with the spirit stoikeo is this idea of marching with the spirit where we go with him everywhere we we oh there it is we actually have the ability to um have traditions which help us with this disciplines so years ago i was a an instructor um did computer instructing helping people put in networks and large network infrastructure and systems softwares this sort of thing and I would teach sometimes at Fort Leonard Wood near Rolla at St. Robert's. And um, we, I was always interested when I would arrive on the campus there and I'd be prepared to, prepare to uh, train that I would see one of the basic training classes come by. And you would immediately notice, and again, I'm not, I have not been in the military, so I only can talk about what I observed. Those of you who have been could immediately go, oh my goodness, you have no idea how, how much this is true and how deep it goes. But um, the idea of developing discipline, of developing disciplines to help mold you who you are and what you do. And for me, the casual observer, I would see them all marching by in step with one another which requires discipline and tradition, requires things that we do to um, help, help us stay in step. And the simplest of those would be music or um, a sort of a chant, a, a parade, if you will, left, left, right, left. And you've heard this, you've seen this. Some of you have done this far too much. Um, 
but it allowed them to work together as one. And I hope you see that this word stoikeo in Greek, this idea that we would march in step with the Spirit, is indeed a military term. It reflects that kind of a discipline. And so what's interesting is this is why we still use traditions. Now, we never let them be the thing. Don't let the traditions be the thing. But we use them because they can help us develop disciplines. Now, because the traditions themselves are not the thing, we're free to look at them and say, well, it was intended to help me do this. How do I now adapt it to actually help me do that? Every generation has to do this. Um, we have no idea why things would happen in the 1800s or the 1900s. And here we are in 2020 and in a completely new environment. We don't even know how long we'll be in this social distancing mode or, or lockdown as some states are and countries are. But what we do know is we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Why? So that he'll like us or you know bless us? No. No. So that what comes out of us will be the fruit of him, his, his fruit, and not our own. It'll help that conflict in us settle down. It'll help the, the process of following Jesus be one that happens daily and not one that is caused by or influenced by um, our sin and the brokenness of this world, but instead is freedom to help us go forward. So how do we march in step with the Spirit? How do we take one day at a time following him? And, and, and the question then becomes, what are some traditions that we could use to do that? So think about, think about traditions that you have in your family. What are traditions you have surrounding the holidays? Traditions you have surrounding how you do a meal in your house? Um, maybe you're thinking you want to recapture a few of those. What are some traditions that are useful to helping you left, left, right, left? You see what I'm saying? What are traditions that you could institute that might be completely brand new, but based on something you've learned, you've read, you've grown in, that would allow you to go with the Spirit, pray to Him, to cry out to Him, to receive from Him, to grow in Him. Well, the first tradition I want us to have right now is that you and I would rally around, that we would center around God's Word, and that we would do so for the purpose of marching in step with the Spirit, because we need love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and, and gentleness and self-control, now more than ever. And the only way that we can do that is to march in step with the Spirit, to receive the good news of Jesus. Hear it once again. He loves you. It's going to be okay. And because he loves you and it's going to be okay, we go with him. We center our lives upon him. And we look at all of our traditions and say, which ones are helping us do that and which ones are getting in the way of that? And we do that every generation, maybe multiple times during a generation, maybe when we have a big world-changing event that uproots and disrupts all of our normal practices and our normal traditions and routines. And we develop new rhythms to go with him. Let's pray about that and ask him to help us do that very thing. Father, we ask you, we pray right now that you would help us with our ability to go with you, to march in step with you, to have our left, left, right, left be in step with you. And Lord, we pray that you would in turn produce in us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness 
and faithfulness and self-control. Lord, we pray that you would do all of these things, making us a gentle people, making us a hopeful people, making us a people that would look for where you are working and seek to join you. And we pray you would do all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.